0: Hey, everyone. Welcome to The Start. I'm Patrick. And I'm Nick. This week, we're with Ramit Chavla. Uh, Ramit is a lifelong entrepreneur, best known for three things. He's the co-founder of Fueled, a mobile apps development company. He is the co-founder of Fueled Collective, and he's also known for his awesome hair. If you've never seen Ramit, you need to Google it right now, and you won't be disappointed. Uh, Other than his incredible hair, he's basically been a hustler since day one. Um, He's found ways to bring values into people's lives all over the place, whether it's selling candy as a kid at school or helping his mom's local real estate business by designing flyers and then eventually building her website for her. Uh, Here's an amazing story now as we chat with him live from Fueled.
1: This is the start.
0: Start. of course pleasure to be here this is our second on site and yeah, actually we're joining you so yeah, yeah, please, yeah we're joining you, having you us. here in uh, Fueled Fueled Collective correct is a yeah. proper name this is a pretty dope space um, if you haven't listeners if you haven't been here before you should definitely come and check it out um, I assume we're on a business end because you know they can't just have random people walking around but regardless, it's cool to look at. Um, and I think there's like one or two articles online about like the space, correct?
2: Yeah, yeah. There's, there's kind of two things going on. One is the Fueled, which is, you know, my consulting company. Yep. And then there's Fueled Collective, which is the co-working space. Gotcha. All right. Which is,
1: seems to be thriving today. Yeah. A lot of yeah, people yeah. in here. Yeah, it's
0: uh, 6.30 and there's still a ton of people here. Um, so this is cool, but we'll definitely link to both in the show notes. Um. So yeah, we wanted to get you on the show today because uh, you and I spoke earlier on in my development career, and I sort of picked your brain a little bit, um, and I'm always grateful for that. Um, so I definitely wanted to get you back on the show because I've heard from other podcasts um, about, and you actually gave me a little a little glimmer into your uh, your history and how you became Ramit Chavla that you are today, or that you've always been, but you know, I guess in a little bit more of a spotlight. Um, so why don't you? Go into detail a little bit. Uh, maybe start off who you are, what you do, um, and then jump right in.
2: Yeah, sure thing. Um, name is Ramit. Uh I I classically say that you know I build applications. Um, more more noticeably than anything else, or more notably than anything else, is uh, my mobile applications. I think that's where um, I've kind of built my company around, and kind have of thrived in a way. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I, I started just, um, you know, like, like anything else. If you look at a lot of people that have, have succeeded in the past, it's um, they've started off with something that's slightly tangential to what they were doing or what they ended up doing or they, what they ended up succeeding in. Um, and I think it's, my story is no different than that. Um, I started off just kind of building some technology websites or just, you know, some some kind of plain dumb vanilla websites and, and then there's a little bit more intelligence in them and, and it was just kind of the future product of what what people were building happened to the apps and I happened to be entering the market at that point in time. Um, so it's you know clear to me that there was going to be a little bit of a movement. Um, so I started branding myself um, early on as you know the guy that built the apps, um, hoping that that bet would um, would come true in the sense that, um, the industry would move towards apps, um, and so so I kind of predicted a trend, jumped on the board uh, early on, and kind of rode that wave. Um, so in 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 a way, and I you know I, I got lucky. Um, of course, there's multiple people that you know have gotten into the app space, and I've done um, I've done well in that space, and so I think luck plays um, a major component, but not the not the only one. And so I've had some amazing people around me um, that have helped me uh, help me succeed. No,
0: it's really yeah. really cool.
1: We've had some people too that uh, we've spoken with that, you know, attribute a lot to luck as well. But I think a lot of it and I don't want to sell you to sell yourself short. I think a lot of it is you made your luck as well. You know, you seemed to you were on a trend, you were working really hard. Um, so I just like clarifying that it wasn't dumb luck. That's for sure. Yeah, you didn't stumble into a pot of gold.
2: Yeah, no, I mean, it was it's it's strategic, but at the same time, um, I think that, you know, like, that strategic decision got me here, um, which isn't even my my end goal. It's is you know, I'm, I'm very much, or I view myself very much as, you know, uh, in, in transition um, to where I'd like to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm right now, like, right in the middle of that process. So That's you guys, awesome. You Did are, you, you know, before we started recording, you had mentioned that you um
0: you had some development chops a while back, but you were not a formally trained um, computer science ma- developer programmer You you not you weren't in a, a CS track necessarily right Where did all that start from whether it's um, when yeah. you first chose what major you wanted and why and, and yeah. the path you took there or maybe even further like your first interest in um, in development and programming maybe yeah. that happened later on or earlier how did all that? it started
2: yeah i mean if, if we're gonna go all the way back or like the first kind of like you could see telltale sign of of, of interest and what, mm-hmm. where it kind of came from um it was uh with a friend of mine um you know my best friend at the time um kid named steve and we were in middle school um and we were um just taking out those those like hacker apps mm-hmm. you know and the ones where you could um Eject someone's CD-ROM. Through, oh yeah, uh, I Sub Seven was one of them. Yeah, At Sub-7 least one, was one that of them. My buddy used to mess with. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I forgot what year that was, but it was just like you know those like kind of crazy wares and and then you could use um, um, VB Basic or Script and yep. stuff like that to to kind of build your own. Um, and so that was I think the first time programming came in. It was it was Visual Basic, and even then um, I convinced my friend it was like. Slightly non-technical um, to do a deep dive in Visual Basic, mm-hmm. and I would just kind of pick what we wanted to build, and still, at, even even at that early stage, it was more um, playing a more strategic role in what was getting done as opposed to like hands-on. Yep. And I just kind of elected not to learn VB. I was like, I'm just not not going to learn it. I'm just have someone else kind of do the execution part of it. Yeah. Um, and it, it's it, I think it's really emblematic of how things conspired later on. Um, so you know the years continued and you know I got more into tech not necessarily programming again just kind of um, hands on uh, you know I, I started a uh, like you know, every kid starts like a little tutoring service um, you know in my neighborhood I just you know, helped out my mother's friends and stuff like that any any way where I could use that skill set to my advantage and, and make a buck Yeah. Um, I, I did and so I was you know biking from, from one house to another and so I had like you know this sense of a client relationship and um, like the recurring revenue you can get from like a good like experience or a good client experience. Um, back in in middle school, um, and then I, I leveraged my technology skills in in real estate. So I got my real estate license when I was eighteen. But before I was where eight, were you living, by the way? Um, so I, I was born in in Long Island, and then I moved um, to Boca home, Florida. Okay. Um, yeah. So so all all of this stuff is really happening in Boca. Cause I was in elementary school in, in Long Island, and then. Around middle schools when when I made mm-hmm. the transition, and so so while I was out there, was, you know, I was, I was biking around. I had I had clients um, that I would teach, kind of just um, basic c- computers. You know how to use a computer, how to yep. use a word processor, how to use America Online, all, all all of that stuff. All the all the things
0: kids should know.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and 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 that the older generation at the time didn't. Yep. Um, and uh, it was it was hard. To kind of get that information, Um, so you know, I would be that kind of that vessel. Um, It it was it was one on one. I didn't I didn't have anyone working for me. Um, It was just me offering a service. And then my mother was in real estate, and so I I saw some of the stuff that she was doing. I was like, oh, you know, that's interesting. And she's like printing out brochures from uh, from something called the MLS, which is like the you know the the multiple listing service in in, um in in real estate. I was like, oh, this is so antiquated. Um, You know, this data sheet looks. Horrible. Yeah. Um, and so I, I even back then had a little bit of a design sense, and you know I'd open up Photoshop, early versions of Photoshop, which I had um, you know just downloaded off the internet, bootleg, yeah. yeah, as normal. Yeah. And um, you know I was I was a kid, you know, yeah, not about to buy like a, a, a five hundred dollars piece of software, and um, and so I would design out like cool looking versions of the brochures that were my mother's listings to give her a little bit of a competitive advantage yeah, you know and this is in like you know 7th grade or something like that and uh, and so some of the other agents saw it and they're like oh what's that you know and it, it was like the only brochure that had a photo on it because all of them were just like it was like you know those old dot matrix printers it was all like those, like, you know, those dot printers oh, yep. yeah. so imagine just a data sheet um, from like DOS, almost.
1: Oh, that's miserable. Uh,
2: of of the listing you're looking at, so you have to like look for where the bedroom number is and like all this other stuff. Like, it's uh, a, t- talk about like user interface design. Yeah, you know? it's like you know the, the the square feet, the price, number of bedrooms, all were the same size as like the check mark if there was a, a washer dryer in the place. You know, like yeah. So, and so like without really consciously knowing that I was making a design decision or an interface decision, I I completely revamped and got rid of half the information because it was irrelevant and just kept the valuable stuff and just printed made these out and it was a template I could just switch out a couple photos switch out some of the info and print it out for another home Yep, and they look gorgeous and so then I I picked up a couple other clients um, at the office because they saw that and they're like cool and my mom was a little disappointed they're like but she knew it was like having fun. She's like, it's fine. I don't. She doesn't like need the competitive advantage. You know? she she crushes it. Um, and uh, and yes, then you know, uh, enter my my um, my career in real estate because post that I like kind of learned how uh, the real estate industry works. And by the time I uh, hit eighteen, um, I got my real estate license and then started um, actually selling. Property Was this down in Boca? Yeah, yeah, this is down in Boca. And, and I, I made my like initial capital um, in in real estate. I mean, I guess like, I don't mean initial capital, initial like sizable amount of capital. Because mm-hmm. I made a decent amount in um, like tutoring. And then I made a decent amount in um, this brochure kind of tech meets real estate business. And then I also in sixth and seventh grade sold, sold candy in school. Okay. Um, so i go every morning with like a full backpack, like no books, just a <laughs> full, you, uh, full just... backpack of candy, and I'd sell out every day. <laughs> did um, did your mom
0: buy the candy, or did you buy the candy?
2: Yeah, so they didn't know I was doing it at all. Um, uh, okay.
1: Like Sam's I'm, Costco style? Yeah, yeah. well, so
2: I couldn't take trips to Costco because I'd be selling so much that I'd have to go fairly often. Um, so what I do is on the way, my bus stop, um, so I went to two different schools. One, I took a bus, and the other one, I biked. But but I always bike to the bus stops. No matter what, I have my bike on me. Yeah. So I just swing by um, Walgreens and Publix, and I typically clear them out of all their product. And you of, could of mark, all the product that that I sold. So I definitely and you just, can
0: mark it up enough, uh, that, like like you know what I mean? Because those are already those prices are already marked up from. Yeah. From, no. But I I,
2: I, I would just no I would just get like the value packs. Um, uh, okay. You know, yeah, 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 and yeah. and I and I'd sell them at this the the list value of like you know the twenty five cents for like the pack of, yeah. of, of gum. But, you know. Anyways, but so. I, I, I made a decent amount there. Um, my grandmother had like a export paper mache business back in the day so my my and she had just sent a bunch of stuff to my father to see if he like whatever this is like you know going back like 30 years, 40 years and um, and so in our attic in our house was just a ton of paper mache product from India. so any like pop-up fair, I'd run a booth and my dad's like, I'm not doing anything with this and like he's like, you know, cool can I sell it and so I'd buy all this yeah. stuff from my dad for, for nothing. Uh, Cause he's like, I don't, I just want to get rid of it, and I'd sell it in the fairs for a decent amount. So I was doing well as like a kid, I, you know, find ways to to monetize, and then, and still, before I was eighteen, I I got like the first um, CD burner, um, you know, like the One X, mm-hmm. uh, and I started making custom music mixes. Um, I remember for that. People.
0: I did that for a little awesome. bit too.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I had a I had a binder. I had a whole system. I had a binder. All the songs had numbers. Sheets of papers and pens were in the binder. And it would just pass around the binder through at school. I'd pick it up at the end of the day, and I'd have, like, 10, 20 orders. Um, and I'd just start burning. Um,
1: I'd burn as much as I could. And, like the uh, time-life, pre-the-time-life uh, sheets. Yeah, you know, you'd yeah. You'd be able to just send the binder around, pick the CDs, fill out yeah, the order yeah, yeah. for them. It's awesome.
2: Yeah, and so, it was, you know, it was very much, like, analog means digital stuff. Um, you know, I had access, because of my technology chops, to be able to get all the music and uh, and then understand how, to, how the whole concept of burning works. And I'd buy, like, you know, big know just stacks of cds and just start burning and then you know that industry you know that lasted i don't know like maybe only a year and a half before um those burners became just a commodity you know and anyone could commit, create their own yeah. custom cds that was like a good lesson you know um and again at the end there's was, there's was definitely a parallel track between that and finance so there's definitely like you, you'll i always noticed things that revolved around technology and then things that revolved around some type of business pro s. Right, where it's like, you know, I'm using technology to make these CDs, but then I turn into a business. Or I'm using technologies and then pairing it up with like real estate and then getting a client base out of it. So I, it was definitely a, a, um, a pattern there. Um, and then college came around. It was really interesting. Um, Where'd like, you go to school? Um, uh, between NYU and UCF. So I went initially. Oh, you went to UCF? Yeah, yeah. So I. I, I would have known that. We never would have hung yeah. out. I went to yeah. USF, man. Did you? Yeah. I'm so kidding. yeah, actually, There's no real rivalry. Out of um, out of high school, I actually went to um, UCF. My father um, he he played a, uh, an interesting game. Um, growing up, he's like, "Oh, I have this college fund, all this stuff," and he and he did. Uh, and then my my it was my, I think it was my senior year of high school. He told me, "Hey, son, I've decided to build character. You're going to pay your own way through school." Um, and and it's not like he you know wanted the money for the college fund or anything like that. You know, he's he's he's, he's a comfortable guy. Um, Um, as far as living goes, so it it wasn't even like that. He actually genuinely wanted me to build character. Well, it sounds like
0: they probably had an inkling that you'd be okay based
2: based off of all of your younger endeavors. Well, no, not really, because, um, so there there, there were a couple things. One, like, I'm telling you all the stuff that I did from, like, a business technology standpoint. Mm -hmm. But I was also, like, not necessarily, like, the, the, um, how, how, how how do I put this gently? Um... I was not, um, I was I was a pretty naughty child. Okay, fair. Right? So I was getting in trouble left and right. Yeah. Um, I. And this was more of like a lesson. It's like, hey, like you need to kind of prove yourself type of thing. Um, because, you know, some of the stuff that um, I'm trying to think, like technically burning CDs was not yeah. necessarily legal. No. And so like, you know, I would definitely dance that
1: kind of gray area. Well, and... and- Reselling can buying candy, reselling it, not yeah, technically they go without. Yeah. Well, do head- it, if, I mean, if you're doing business. it in
0: school, it becomes you know what I mean, yeah, like, it's that's like where all, they- all this yeah. kind of gray area, yeah, it's yeah. all gray,
2: you know. And I, 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 one thing I distinctly remember is, is, is in high school, I was like you know, I, I, my, my real estate business has slightly slowed down a little bit, and I was like, I need more, 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 more like hours, like, I'm just not getting enough business, and so I took a job, like a regular job at, at a deli. And I quit the first week working there. It was, it was really interesting. It was the first time where I had worked for someone. It's like it was a non-entrepreneurial thing, um, and uh, and it lasted a week, which is really interesting. Because you know, from from someone that's younger, that's experiencing new things, we you know, you try it out. And I I look back like I went the first week and I just didn't go. It's like I'm just not going to go. Like and I had earned obviously a decent amount. I was like I don't really feel the need to even pick up a check. Like, I'm just like. Like, thanks, but no, no thanks. That wasn't motivating you. It was, yeah. it, it wasn't even, it wasn't, yeah, it was, it was, it was the idea of taking orders was just so weird where uh, I'll never forget the first time I gave my, um, like the cashier, uh, like, you know, I had run like a drawer yeah. um, at, at this Jewish deli um, and it was a takeout counter. And so someone would come up and it's like, you know, they'd ask for, you know, macaroons or whatever, some black and white cookies or some salmon and locks, whatever it is. And I package it, give it to them, charge a card, ring it up, and do the whole thing. At the end you gave your cash drawer to the manager and you counted. it. And like like yeah, I was like in the gray area, but I'm not like a dishonest guy. And, and he's like, Oh, you know, there's like ten bucks missing or, or something, like ten dollars and twenty one cents or like five dollars and some cents. Yeah. And I'm like, one, that's weird that it's an odd number. You know, just like if it was like a clean twenty, like that makes sense. Um, second, I know you're counting the drawer, so it's like it's like to be the worst idea yeah, to right. possibly take something. Like yeah. if I'm going to do it, I would take someone that's giving me a clean twenty, not ring it up. Yeah, exactly. So it's not. And this is like I can beat your system.
0: Yeah, you know. Well, there's
2: also I'm, I'm electing not to, and you're telling me that I'm, I'm taking it. So I was very insulted by even the fact that they counted my drawer and then told me that there's money missing, and then my mind was boggled one day my drawer was over by like $7 and he's like and he took it out and he's like here this is in your drawer's over I'm like no man like that's not mine like there's something else that messed up in the system
0: well that's the thing that whole I mean I think we've all done like the bartender server thing Especially when you run a drawer, it, it's it's human error that you're going to give someone a nickel when you're supposed to give them a dime, or yeah. two ones instead of, like... Yeah, it happens, whatever. Like, it's negligible. Yeah. They, they account, I mean, they should account for that, yeah, so it's... Yeah. it's
2: but the, the way they accounted for it was, like, kind of weird, and I was just like, you know what? I'm good. Like, this whole hourly pay, like, I can't change it, it doesn't really scale, like... Yeah. Doesn't, doesn't matter I, what
0: your performance is either, you yeah. can be super
2: efficient, you get paid the same. So I was just like, okay, cool, um, and, and, I, and, I, and I quit. Um, my mom was just like, "What? You're really not going to pick up the check?" And she actually just went in and just grabbed it. And she's like, "Well, you obviously like, you earned this. <laughs> you take it." And I'm like, "Whatever." Um, but yes, yeah, so that was up until I was 18, and then so in college, um, you know, my, my father played this whole game with me in terms of you're, you're going to pay your way through. And so um, I didn't, I didn't, I had spent all my money on my car. Like my car was like my jam. What did you have? I had it was into American Muscle, so I had a, I had a Ford Mustang. Nice. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. And. Uh, and, you know, I, I like to just, just play with that and mess with the engine, do all, all, of, all, all of that fun stuff. And so, um, so all, my, all my money went to this, so I wasn't saving for, for college or anything like that. And so my dad's like, you're going to pay your way through. So I made a deal with him. I said, hey, listen, I will pay my way through the first two years. Um, you pay for housing. I'll pay for tuition. Um, and then if I get into one of the top ten institutions, um, you pay full ride. Um, and, I knew he was into education very much like pro education, uh, and pro like a good education. And so he was like, sure. Yeah, sure. If you get into one of the top 10 business schools in the country, I will happily pay the tuition. I'm like, cool deal.
0: Yeah. It's a, well, it's a challenge within itself, not only just like doing it, but yeah, the yeah. top 10 institution, there's a lot of things that go into it that you have no control over.
2: Yeah. And so, so I was like, oh, this should be fun. So what I did is I went to a state school for the first two years. And the reason I did that is because my grades were good enough to get um, a full ride. So I got out of Was pain. this UCF? Yeah, this is UCF.
1: So question there then. Did you consciously think about that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, obviously. That was part of the plan, yeah. And also, because... The whole deli experiment didn't work out so well. How did school work where it's kind of a similar feel? You're still being told what to do, when to hand things in. There's still yeah. a little bit of guardrails. How? how to, no, you
2: know. well, so the, the, there's the thing. So I've realized I have a problem with, um, like, uh, any, anyone with any, like, authority. So I've always had that problem with, like, authority figures. Teachers, like, might have some overlap there. But they interested. try. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I, I don't think there's, like, a direct correlation. It's, it's more like, you know, a police officer or something like that. Where like you know that'll kind of mess, or or even you know even your parents when they're imposing stuff on you, like and, and restricting you in some way, and I always react to it.
0: It sounds like um, the inability to um, explore and really use your autonomy is could have been. No, I'm, I'm not a psychiatrist or anything, but. I, I you know I think we've met with enough people, especially some independent people, that like similar things. If they are in a position where they cannot make their own decision, or they do not have the ability or to be autonomous, totally turns them off. And I think yeah. we may have had one or two other interviews that sort of talk similar. Like teachers are a gray area because they don't really. Yeah, teachers. I
2: I wouldn't really put teachers in that bucket. Uh, like you know they they're there to to educate. Yeah. And all that stuff. And I, I I definitely don't put them in in the same. So school is fine. Um, school was, if anything, it was you know it was a challenge. It was it was me against the peers, especially when I was at NYU. It was you know the, the game dynamics that worked in my brain is I'm very competitive, um, and so Stern, um, which is the business school at NYU, has this uh, this thing that's called the Stern Curve, um, and some people is that
0: where sorry is that where you got the the suits. Is that where the suit kick-started? Don't all the kids at Stern have to wear suits? No. I feel like that's what I've heard before.
2: No, I mean, they... they, they, they Someone they, lied to me. They do or whatever because, like, maybe someone's doing an internship over the summer and, gotcha. like, they come okay. in from work or something like that. Um, and, of course, Stern directly, related, you know, correlated to finance. Yep. There's all all of that stuff there, too, but... Makes sense. Um, no. Um, so, so, anyways, there's this thing called the Stern Curve, and the curve is... Uh, you know, some people like it some people don't like it because basically what it does is it puts you against your peers and it says that only a percentage of the class is allowed to get an A okay. um, no matter what the performance of the individual is it's the individual compared to his peers um, so that was a really interesting dynamic because I am I was very used to before um, just doing enough to get the A and mathematically knowing when that's going to happen as opposed to um Any type of statistical distribution on your grade. Yeah. Um, Which kind of messed with me because then it's like, okay, cool. I not only have to perform, but I have to make sure I perform in the top 10% of my class. And, you know, Stern obviously has like a bunch of bright kids. And so that that changed the game. Um, And so what I did then, it was interesting. I stopped working, Uh, I stopped all enterprise stuff, I just stopped um, any small business. And it's like the first time I'd stopped being an entrepreneur, basically. And so for two years, I just studied, um, and for I was kind of brainwashed into thinking that that was the right thing to do. You know, just culturally, we 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 kind of elevate you know how where you graduate from and and how you do in terms of that. Oh, sure. It, like just you know, culture, we just like gonna raise that up. <laughs> um, and so I was like, cool, I'll just outperform in that area, and uh, and I ended up. Um, doing a major in finance, uh, and you can do a dual major. So I had another major, which was um, uh, information systems, which is basically you know, finances or, or the, the business school's form of uh, computer science. Um, so did I, you have
0: to do a double major within Stern? Yes,
2: yeah, so I, I, I did a double major. With, so Stern only allows you to have two majors. Okay. I took enough coursework to do um, – I did a, theoretically another major in international business and a oh, wow. minor in math. Um, but you don't get credit for that on your diploma. Yeah, um, you, you still get, got the knowledge. You see, yeah, you still get a pick too, and you know whatever you can say that you did it, even though you didn't get credit for it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's and so and and I did all of that in, in a two year period because I was I was at UCF for two years and I just got like you know, the basics mm-hmm. out of the way there, and then and then two years I did that. So I the entire summer I took two semesters in the summer um, in order to get all that coursework in in time. Um, And uh, and yeah, and I I had no work experience until I graduated with zero work experience. I had no idea. All I knew was that, like, okay, cool. Um, Like, there's this whole new area of finance that I've always been too young to mess with. Um, But and if I can rewind for a second, but since sixth grade, I had my own stock portfolio, and and that's kind of where that that other side. Um, existed so, like you know, half of it was tech and related, but that other half, the tech was always paired up with something related to business, and in some case, that business was um, the financial markets. And um, you know, whenever I had made money, um, I had put it directly into the market. So all of my side businesses, all the cash that I made, um, would go directly into the financial markets. Um, and I initially bought my car and all and souped it all up because uh, my portfolio was performing well, and it was it was interesting. I always viewed myself as um, uh, so in the markets. Like any, any known information is priced into the stock, right? That's just how how it is. But if you have information that's not say publicly either publicly available or haven't been calculated by the markets because it hasn't happened yet. Mm-hmm. Um, There's some type of information asymmetry, then um, you can trade based on that. And so, me being a kid, I was like, oh, I can see which brands are like starting to trend, becoming cool. And so I trade within your peers. Yeah, within my peers, right? And and that's like middle America. And I'm like, if it's like kind of cool, or if it's like getting in with like certain kids at a certain point, I'm like, there's a high probability of blowing up. And so I'd start to make investments based on that, based on technology. 'Cause like those are the two things that I, I could see, like anything cultural amongst like my generation and then anything technology based in terms of like a hunch. Um and so I did really well and then the markets crashed. Um I don't know if you remember the, the, the whole dot com bubble. Yep. Um, I was heavily vested in tech in the dot-com bubble, right? Because, I mean, come on, like, I, I, I'm, I'm, like, in tech. I'm, like, all about tech. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, yeah. so, like, that's huge You're going to put your money where your quote-unquote heart is in yeah. that scenario? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, like, you're, you're supposed to, you know, invest in what you know in and all this other stuff. Of course, I didn't understand fundamental valuations. I didn't really understand why the stocks were going up so much. Like the, sure. I, yeah. again, it never it, I mean, it played well for you. Because your numbers were going up until they went down. Until they went down. And so that was really interesting. So when when everything tanked, I kind of took a break. I was just like, wow. But it's such a great lesson to learn for when I was in like 10th grade or something. You know, like great lesson to learn there. Because now, uh, and what happened post is I went through another um, crash. Right? I went through another crash 10 years after that. Yeah. Um, you were
0: more and, grown up then. Yeah, yeah. I
2: had all the experience of a crash. Yeah, I completely hedged. I bought, I had sold all my stock, luckily, with just complete luck, when I had left finance in um, 2007. Um, and then the market started to crash in 2008. Um, and uh, and I, I started scooping them up on, on a low, slowly. So yeah. Strong. When everyone, everyone else's assets were pressed down. Um, I had already exited, so I just missed that press. I just started scooping up at the low end. So, and again, say so again, luck kind of played into it. And, and, well, it sounds like luck and knowledge. Uh, A lot of
1: stuff prepared you to be ready at that point. Yeah, yeah. experience that cool. you
2: wouldn't have. I mean,
0: experience that you had based on luck, right? And I say that because luck, um, your interest, your entrepreneurial spirit, and then whoever decided to say, "Hey, we're me. You should get into stocks." If anybody at all, when you were young gave you the experience and then luck again sort of it's almost yeah. like a
2: cyclic thing it was really interesting it was my it's actually my grandmother I still remember it I was um, you know I, I told you I was, I was in 6th grade and I was just chatting with my grandmother and she showed me a stock certificate and this was when I just was visiting her in India and, and I was like oh what, what's that and it's like oh well you know um, you uh, you you get a piece of a company and then they pay you and she showed me a check that was a dividend check and dividends aren't that popular in the U.S. anymore. They used to be popular back in the day in terms of just, like, cash payouts for, for dividends. But they were very popular at that moment in, in India. That's just how people made their income was, was off dividends on, on investments. Um, and, uh, and so I was like, wait, wait, wait. So, so it's, like, it's like you work for this company, but you don't have to go there. And they just pay you money? And she's like, yeah. And I pictured this virtual office in, like, a large yeah. building. <laughs> and there was no one in the office. But, like, my grandmother's name was on the office door. I was like, "That's so cool!" And then just like slip a check underneath there, and I was like, "The stocks are amazing." You know, like that's <laughs> <it>. <laughs> like, like you anyway, know, because like a child, like I didn't really understand the concept yeah, of sure. like loaning money and then getting a return and then being like varying forms of risk. Didn't understand that, but I just like pictured again a small room in a, like a larger building, like there's just like a huge building and tower, and just like focusing on one window, right. and it's like that's your window, and they and they pay you for for working, but you don't actually have to work. That's probably the best way to think about it
0: when you're a kid when you you're not. There's no reason to be averse to risk because you don't know risk exists because yeah. it sort of doesn't exist in your world. So it's like, okay, well, this is perfect. Let me yeah, just I was, do this. Uh,
2: and, and so I was like very intrigued. And then, you know, so that was like the initial interest. It was like, you know, someone kind of, you know, my grandmother just telling me about these dividends yeah. and stocks. And then, then you know, one thing led to another. led to me on the bus ride into school in sixth grade talking with one of my German friends. Um, his name was Andre Reibling um, uh, about stocks and we both started investing and initially it was funny money right it was like yeah. you know uh, it was our allowances that we were investing but then as I started selling candy and as I started actually like making money um, it, it it migrated you know yeah. like my, my first portfolio was just an agreement between you know my father and I I buy one or two stocks or something and he's like if you make it like whatever the gains are, he just paid out of his pocket. Yeah. If I made it, you know. So it sounds like
0: your portfolio was
2: essentially his portfolio? Like he was doing all the actual
0: yeah purchasing and stuff. No, no, no.
2: There was no purchasing initially. There was no purchasing because the trading costs were too high. You couldn't actually buy one stock. You can now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But back then it was like it cost three hundred bucks for a trade. So you know, if unless you're buying, I mean, even if you're buying three hundred dollars worth of stock, it's like you 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 totally just you spent. You, you yeah, you spend, hypothetically six hundred
0: dollars because it's three hundred for the transaction and three hundred for the stock. Yeah, six hundred
2: bucks yeah. and fifty percent in fees. Like
0: that's just so. Then totally your your stock crazy. market was like bank of dad. It sounds yeah, like yeah, yeah, he 100%. would just pay out his own
2: cash based off. Yeah, the gains. yeah. If if I made it, so and yeah, you know, sometimes I lost. You know, yep. certain stocks. You'd be like, uh ha. That's pretty awesome. No, but and then at a certain point, it came to the point where I could buy. You know, yep. online. Um, uh, t- trading became popular and there was like the price war on on you know the cost per trade yep. and everything got pushed down and then sure. you know at that point I just started buying my own stock.
1: Awesome. So quick question here, you said you around 6th grade had like begun this and you had a yeah. friend you had a friend that like started with you how did it feel at that first crash you know I guess when other families were, were dealing with this and then you, it's funny that you as the kind of same age as these people's kids you know I mean feeling basically what they're feeling you had like all the stuff you had worked for and it's all. except you don't lose I mean, your house nurse. well I guess my question is how many other friends at that point of yours were doing this were investing or were even in this game if any
2: yeah no I mean the kids that I was friends with I was, I was friends with a, a fairly diverse um, set of groups in my high school I tried um, I was like kind of known for the, um, the kid that was in several different cliques and uh-huh. um, between, like, you know, I was friends with a bunch of guys on, like, um, you know, the tennis team, um, uh, people on the football team, the you know, people in, all the way to people, like, in the band. Like, just, like, just diverse. And, um, which is why I was, I was kind of known for the one that threw the best parties at my high school. Um, because, like, everyone felt like they were invited. Yeah. Um, because they all felt like they were friends with me. Um, so I had a pretty diverse group. But even within that diverse group, like, you know, they all had their hobbies. Um, their hobbies were not the financial markets. Yeah. And so I never really got exposure beyond my parents. So my dad's like, "Ah, oh, man, you know da 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 but it was funny because we created this bond between him and I, where he always ask me advice, and I'd talk to him, you know we, it was like it was like dinnertime conversation. Yeah. He's like, so Ramid, I'm thinking about buying this. you know, like, what are your thoughts? you know and it, it was interesting because it was definitely one of the things that my father and I bonded on in the early years was trading stock advice and tips and stuff yeah. like that.
0: Wild. That's but really definitely
2: cool. no no effect on like other people's parents. Like I just talk, didn't talk to other people's parents. And yeah. You know, it's not like their kids brought that well, up.
0: In Boca, you probably weren't. And I say this based off of location, right? If you if you were a kid in high school or a kid in middle school in Silicon Valley, um, in the same time period, you probably would have seen a greater effect than growing up in Boca, just because of locality. But that's uh, I guess that that can be a separate conversation. Um, Let's get back to the college. stuff. So you were in college. They had the Stern curve and you were doing this thing. Well, I guess not college, just a little bit after college. You were face down in the book for two years. Um, sounds like you did pretty well, but you had no experience.
2: Yeah. And so everyone else took, um, did like summer internships and all that stuff. And so they kind of got a taste of what finance would be. I had this like just, you know, glorious image of the financial world. And I was kind of excited by it, by, you know, like my history and in, in finance in general. Um, so I was, I was pumped um, and again no work experience so the first job I got was Merrill Lynch um, I was like okay cool like super excited was, you know one of the big five like just like dive in and um, yeah it was it was it was not what I expected because um, you
0: were uh, correct me for am moment it's like associate level it's like entry level is that yeah, true yeah analyst yeah something like that but I've I've heard stories. It's not it's not very glamorous.
2: Yeah, it's it's, it's not that glamorous. It's um, I think that one thing that I learned more than anything else is how like what the word bureaucracy means. Right? I just didn't I didn't really know what that meant. The word had no meaning to me, and and I had been always working for myself and just kind of like like dra- dreaming about a hundred different things, but just not thinking about how like people are like battling to get up in a company and. Um, how you have to go through a ton of red tape to do something it's like oh if something would better the company like, I should just be able to do it mm-hmm. there shouldn't be like, any, any BS on the way mm-hmm. um, so I learned about that I learned h- how much waste there is at like a corporation um, how inefficient stuff is at a corporation how they're just like a slow moving tank basically like I started to understand the concept on, on, on how things can get disrupted when you have such a big m- moving vessel it's hard to turn Right, and then you have like these like, small like jet boats that kind of just go they can't move that much stuff, but they're very nimble um you know and if, if things work out they can they can get to the treasure before for the bigger boats do um so I just like, kind of sort of grasped that concept, and then um again my my tech kind of passions came were were still there I was on the side, I was like building websites and um you know again helping helping my mother still in in real estate because. Whatever, she was just, like, you know, an ongoing client since I was, you know, 14. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> um, she'd always ask me. It's just like, you know, any, anyone's anyone's mother asks them, hey you know, ha, son, how do you do this? You know, how do you do this? And I'm like, oh, well, I'll just do it for you. You know, and it just became to a point where it's like, hey, I want to put up a website. How do we do that? I'm like, ah, don't worry. It's a little complicated. I'll just do it, you know? Right. It's like, hey, son, I want to update my website. Hey, son, I've had it for a year. Check this other website out. Can we make ours better? And me my competitive nature would be like, yeah, of course, you know I'll, yeah, I'll give you a link tomorrow kind we'll, of deal we'll make it next level and then it got to the point where I was hiring an agency and I was directing an agency on like what to build um, and that was like my all oh, for your
0: moms well real estate is not small pennies it's, yeah. it's big bucks but that's did she know that there was
2: an agency behind? Oh us? yeah, yeah, of course she'd be paying the checks. Well, I mean, I just that'd be hilarious. She's like, "What? You have an agency behind this?" I can only yeah, imagine. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I told her like, "Hey, I'm going to get these guys involved. This is what the cost is going to be." Like, you know, ran the, ran the contract by her and all that stuff. And i like, "You know, I'll run the project." And yeah. Basically, it was a project manager. Yeah. Um, for um, for my mother on like the client side, um, and so I was doing this all while I was still um in the finance world. And it came to a certain point um, about three years in where um, I, had, I had three different jobs, three different companies, um, always thought that there was another thing there. F- like some, I, still, I still truly, honestly believe that there is a position for me in that world. It's just really hard to find and get to because of all the red tape. Right? It's not something that can just happen organically there. You can't just go in and be like, all right, I'm going to figure out what I'm good at and do that here for the company. Yeah. It doesn't work at a large organization. You, you you get hired for this very specialty role, especially you, not one. And, and then you can't like, you can't just like in a year you can't like flourish. Yeah, you're just like you know it's a very structured process for for promotions. I remember I I tried to uh, I definitely try, uh, overstep boundaries. Um, uh, I remember once my this was if you could put, just to put it in perspective my my bosses 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 boss. It's like
1: yeah,
2: right. five or six levels up. Um, like called me into his office once because he like asked someone to like volunteer to run this project and I was like oh I'll do that and then and like there was some other initiative and I was like oh I'll do that too and he's like you just like, like you know who are you and, like you know well, what's going on you know and and I'm like well you know like I'm I'm ready to like manage people and you know like 5 or 6 months on the job and I'm just like you know let's let's get let's like, get these analysts done da done da, 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 like yeah. I'll run this and I'll run this whole team and like what and he's like you're crazy um like you know, you haven't even been here a year yet, you know, and I was like, yeah, but you know, I, I could do it, and I could probably do it better than whoever else you're going to hire to do it. So like, let's get let's get the ball rolling. And he's like, it's just not going to happen. And I'm like, okay, fine. And, like, <laughs> and you go back to your desk and you yeah. do whatever you're doing before. Yeah, and it was, so it was just like it's like okay, um, but then again, I mean, there's 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 certain certain people that that do thrive well in that environment, you know, people that are natural managers and stuff like that, which I'm not. I'm I'm more of a kind of go getter turn. Nothing into something, entrepreneur. Um, that's what I like to do. Um, you know, create a business because I see a need. You know, like as I did when I was younger, and as you know, I'm doing now. Um, and uh, it just doesn't work in that environment unless yeah. you're very senior at an organization. Um, and so, and again, so I, I, I still think that there's a role. At like maybe a private equity company or something where I can be empowered, where I could do extremely well, potentially even make more impact than I'm making here. You know, this is something I just created for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, but but with with something backing my decisions, I could make a lot more powerful decisions and movements. Yeah. And you know, um, but I, I don't have that just because I haven't been put in that position. and I've started this. Uh, but I, tr- I tr- still truly believe that like I have a passion in the financial world and in technology, um, and I could I-, I could do something in finance and still be as happy as I am right now. Yeah, so I'm extremely happy in tech, um, but uh, and it's, and I and I failed at finance in a way. Right, cause I quit and I'm just like I'm out. Mm-hmm. Um, but I still think that I could be equally as happy if I had gotten the right gig and been empowered the right yeah. way. I think, you know, just if I could have been more entrepreneurial, basically, in finance, which is a hard thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and yeah, so, you know, I, I, I had a couple of projects. I had just enough to kind of make my way, in a way, um, and, and, and I quit my last job. What do you mean you had just enough? Like- I had just enough, like, kind of pseudo-clients, just enough work where I could maybe just pay rent and scrape by. How did you... It was a big hit. How
0: did you get those clients while you were doing this all the full time thing? So Craigslist. Okay. Well, I was going to ask. I, you know, I have a few friends. I think everybody in New York City has a few friends in finance, and I know that they are working nonstop. Yeah. So, how the hell did you find the time to find people on Craigslist?
2: Yeah, um, find find clients on Craigslist, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Clients, so, I mean, again, not uh, people. That'd be I, weird. I used technology to my advantage. Um, I had built uh, something that scrapes Craigslist and like looks for. for particular keywords I built uh, an email program that got around Craigslist filter they had a way of filtering out spam or automated email I built something that got around it um, and I would in an automated way send 300 emails a day various to like across the country and it was just an application that just kept on running and then I would just get the responses in my inbox that's awesome and then when I get home I just you know like responses made sense like I'd follow that through that lead and all that stuff And I mean it wasn't that robust while I was in finance. It became that robust after, um, because uh, that was my lead gen. Yeah, I, that was, well, you like, probably had a
0: lot more time to, uh, to yeah, yeah to to, 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 devo-
2: to vote to it, and so like I only had like a handful. Again, like not that big of a business when I when I uh, left. Um, I mean, to put things into perspective, like I think I I, I netted like thirty five grand my first year post leaving or something, or like that year that I was yeah. maybe, like, working in finance part of the time, like, whatever, like, at first, a like, calendar year that I paid taxes where I had started working for myself, part of which I was wor- still working for um, Oppenheimer, which was the last company that I worked for before I quit finance, um, I had only brought in 35 grand. Like wow. to, put, to put stuff in perspective. Yeah. And so half that year, like, like, when I quit, it was like, you know, whatever I still have in the bank from when I was working, and, you know, if anyone that lives in New York listens to this, like, you know, anything you make in New York, you spend. Yeah. Yeah, this course. city just sucks up everything. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, so, like, I didn't really have enough, and I got rid of pretty much all, f- like, extra luxurious frills in my life. Mm-hmm. Like, I stopped buying wine. I, I stopped everything. Like, I-, I refused to pay for dates uh, when I go <laughs> on a- w- with, with the girls. It's like, yeah, like, we're going Dutch. Like, just how it is.
1: That's $50 if to $100 you, every time. Yeah, if you don't yeah.
2: want to hang, like, I totally understand Um like, there's someone that is definitely going to take care of you. The city, like, has a bunch of people that will take you out to dinner. Like, I'm not one of them. Yeah. I, I remember distinctly, this is, like, the epitome, because it became, like, a hard, fast rule at, at one point. Um, and, like, this girl invited me out for drinks, especially if they invite me out. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, I, like, would actively not initiate just so I could use that as an excuse to be like, oh, well, you invited me out. Yeah. out <laughs> so, obviously, I'm to pay for your mail. Yeah. You know? Um, and so, so I, I like actively would not initiate something, and kind of cross my fingers that they would, and all that stuff. And then this one girl was like, "Hey, let's grab a drink, let's hang." And I'm like, "Oh, okay, sure." I'm like, I'm kind of working. She's like, "No, no, no meet me for a drink." I'm like, "Okay." And so I met her for a drink. Uh, and, you know, and the bill comes. She's like, "Oh, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't have my card on me, or like something. I don't have any cash." Um, I, I think she said she didn't have any cash, and I was just like, "Oh, well, you know, they they take credit cards." You know? <laughs> and she's like, "Oh, yeah, you know, you, you know." I don't remember what like what her response was. Sure was she's like, basically, awkward. wasn't getting her card out. You know, and, like I was ready to go back to work and just get get some more get some more work done. I had my card on the check, um, and uh, and you know, she just was like chatting and I'm, like just like there was no card coming. I was like, well, you know, what, what's going on? So I take the check uh, and I rip it in half. just like half, and I'm like, hey, here's your half. Uh, and i give her just half the paper check and then i go I take i swear to god it was like one of the most <laughs> aggressive moves i've done and i go i take my half of the check and i go to the counter and i'm just like hey half the bill you can put on here she has the other half of the check i'm assuming That's you awesome. never not talk to her no yeah no you know it's funny is is you would think that but for like and again it's i'm not saying this works across the board i'm not suggesting it um you know but but for some people like, and for her in particular, like, that was a bold move. Yeah. She loved it. <laughs> I mean, it, 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 it was just, um, again, I'm saying this could be an edge case. I'm not, again, I'm not recommending it. But, you know, for someone that's so used to, you know, like, of course the guy's going to pick it up. This was like, you know, who does this guy think he is? Right. And, um, like, in this case, it worked 100%. That's wild. I never would have
0: the balls to do anything like that. I know.
2: It's funny yeah. because my friends back then even knew that I did this. Like you know, they caught on. Like you're crazy. And then one time, my friend's like, "Hey, like you know, I got these two girls. We're gonna go out. You know, you want, you want to like double date?" And I'm like, "Yeah, sure. We can do it." And I'm like, "Well, you know, I'm like, girls paying. <laughs> <laughs> That's just how it is." And he's like, "Yeah, yeah, 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 yeah Of course. Yeah, sure. but we'll, we'll we'll all split the bill." And so we're out there. We're having like a great time. we great time. And my friend like kind of like like elbows me or just kind of like you know, under the table like hits hits me. And he's like, he's like "We're covering it." And I'm like like, what? And he texts me. He's like, don't worry about it. I'll cover your girl. They're not paying. Like, he was so embarrassed to, like, even suggest the idea that the girl pays that he's like, no, no, no it's fine. I'll pay for your girl. That's like, wild. <laughs> but don't tell them that they're paying. Because <laughs> and, and, like, the idea was he was cool with it, but when it came to execution, yeah. he just physically, he got embarrassed. He's just like, I can't, I can't, I can't. Mm-hmm. Oh, whatever, I'll cover your girl. And That's you were problem. like,
1: all right, deal. Yeah.
0: yeah yeah you didn't care you're like round, um, round
1: for the for the house everybody
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right no but um, and so that was that was kind of an interesting time period and you know it was just kind of discovering um, you know what my skill sets were what I was going to do professionally and I had spent uh, I mean probably really like almost three years uh, I traveled around a bit you know I went to Thailand for a little bit um, I lived in Paris um I lived in Miami for a bit um, my parents were in Boca, so it was kind of close pro- proximity. Kept my always kept my apartment in New York because I knew like New York was home. As soon as subleasing and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. again, Craigslist was my mm-hmm. best friend back then. So. I just, and were just, you
0: taking all these? Sorry, were you taking all these? Still taking these freelance clients? Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. So you know, yeah, I'm like. Exploring as many options as I can. Some of them are money makers, like what paid for my trip to Paris, and like like you know my housing in Paris and all that stuff. Were like existing clients that I had. And, you know, I got into like wine marketing for a little bit. It was just like, just like again, like trying to make money off really just being a middleman. It's like you know, I was like a Craigslist middleman because um, some of the talent that I found to do execution was also on Craigslist.
0: Gotcha. So they were
2: looking for jobs, and then uh, there were people posting jobs, and I'd be like. The guy that translated almost the business requirements, like what people wanted, to actually technically, because I understood how to implement, yeah. uh, and I just I just joined the two and then make the margin between.
0: So you weren't. It's. I mean, I think we all pretty much get this, but to spell it out, it sounds like you weren't taking on uh, one man projects. You were potentially taking on a project that you found via Craigslist. That could have been suitable for a small agency or a team
2: of two to three people. No, I, di- I didn't have enough experience when I first started to, um, or an, an, uh, not experience. I didn't have enough of a portfolio really um, to show to sell someone on um, on a team, like a project that would be larger. Yeah. Like they wouldn't. They just wouldn't trust me because I didn't have anything. So more commonly than not, I just posed as the developer. Gotcha. So you did didn't uh, say it. Yep, I was like, yeah, I'll and take they're... care of it." Yeah, sure thing. And then I just it give a, it to it one of my guys.
0: It was more quantity. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, and I,
2: you know, at one point I had five guys working for me, um, and you know, I just had clients that were just like, "Oh, I want to make this change, or I want to do this," and like, "Okay, cool." And I just give it to the guys. I'd be the middleman. Yep. I was very much a middleman. I mean, and today I'm still very much a middleman. So no, I mean, not much has changed really. Where we get our leads from is you know no longer Craigslist, but <laughs> yeah. you know, sure. But I mean, not much. Again, not much has changed. It's it's again, it's it's you know, it's a, it's a it's a client it's serving a client. Um, you know, and I'm, so I'm still doing that now.
0: So what? I, th- I think that's a perfect transition as to where that went in the early formidable days. Um, to guess, correct me if I'm wrong. There may have been some kind of gap in between. Now and, and when that was going on?
2: Um yeah, that was that was like December twenty ten. Um, oh
0: wow, okay. So it wasn't too too long ago.
2: Yeah. Um well so it was December twenty ten, which is when I came up with what what I have now, like the concept for fueled. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um and it was in January twenty eleven when I came up with the name Fueled. Okay. Um and so, yeah, so it's been since then that really this whole thing has been running. But bef- it was before that, like, I was working in the space and had some developers. Um, you know, it was January 2011 where, where, where we brought on our first creative and decided to add design into the mix, you know, and came up with Fueled. Again, we might have actually come up with Fueled in February because, like, January is when our creative came on and, like, his first assignment with me was let's figure out our brand. Let's figure out the name of our company. Because right, I had something else previous to that was just like a shitty name, didn't like it, it was a temporary thing. Um and I was like I sat down with Rob and I'm like, Rob, let's figure this out. And so we came up with a huge list of names, we filtered it down, came up with fueled, came up with the logo, and I'm like it's like this is it. You know.
1: Smart, it's an important element.
2: Yeah. And Ryan, who was, you know, my my right hand at the time is still with the company, Rob's still with the company. Um he was just like um, Ryan's like, Oh, you know, the logo's so so just it's a plane. It's just a red box with fuel in it. And I'm like, no, no, no. no. It, it represents something. Yeah. You know, and it's 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 going to become a statement because he saw the all the other like cool styles, and I'm like, all the other cool styles aren't aren't timeless. This is going to be more timeless. Yep. Like, that's a trend. It'll die. Yep. This the gloss. And stuff. it and has. Yeah. After a while. And it has. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We we look back on on that deck, and we're just like, you know, our logo is still crisp. Um, and, uh, you know, Ryan, Ryan only after, like, a year and a half did he really, like, he's like, I love our logo. It's so good. <laughs> I grew on him. <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, like, it, you know, in between, it was, it was very much just a hustle. Um, and even at the beginning of the company, it was very much a hustle. Um, you know, we, we didn't have a name for ourselves at all. Um, we'd take on projects, anything we get our hands on, really. Um, you know, I, I'd be networking every day at any event that I could possibly get into, uh, events that I wasn't supposed to get into, whatever I could do, I was just just out and about. And then. I mean, it there, seems like
1: you were destined for this. Yeah. What it feels like after hearing the story. Yeah,
2: yeah, for for something. What, this is just but to, to have be,
1: your own to to be calling. Yeah, for lack of a better term, calling the shots or to be setting the vision.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think that definitely in terms of my personality trait, what I'm best suited for is a founder role. I I think that. I, I'm better at creation, so it's it's from that concept phase to actually executing that initial vision and building it. I've determined that I'm really good at that. I'm not necessarily good at like CEOing it, right? Keeping it going, yep. Yeah, like I like to build. Like again, like take something that has no value or just an idea with no real tangible value and create value out of nothing. Um, and that's at the early stages. And so even right now, I'm trying to actively figure out how I can take on smaller
1: side projects at the company, like within the company, and grow a mini business for the company because that's what I'm good at. So then does that is that where the co-work space kind of stems from or well, yeah, kind so of the, adding this creative Yeah, I, I can to give it? you
2: the kind of um, rationale and reasoning on, on the co-working space. So the co-working component... Um, it's really interesting. I, I mentioned in 20 um 2010 2011 is when I kind of came up with the the idea for fueled. Um back then, uh that early at the very beginning stages, um, like I had this idea. Like the co-working idea um was a component of what the vision of the company was. And at the same time back then there wasn't there wasn't a lot of co-working spaces. Uh it wasn't like a popular thing. You had some, oh yeah. but they weren't that cool. Um, it wasn't a thing. Uh, it has since become a thing, and I still did it because I still had the vision. I still wanted to execute the vision, and it wasn't gonna not do it because someone else had done it. Like I saw it a very particular way, and what everyone else had done was slightly different. Um, and so the the rationale and the co working it's it's interesting. So I looked at the startup industry, and I'm like, you know, clearly, you know, what I want to do is start something, and and because of I guess you know my, my background in math and finance. I couldn't shy away from looking at the risk factor around the startup and I couldn't get myself to say okay cool I'm going to commit myself to this one idea when I knew the probability of success even with, with you know me running it and me getting quote unquote lucky like super slim so I was like okay I'm like I, I want to go into it you know I, I have a large appetite for risk but the numbers didn't make sense it was like it was like someone was telling me to invest in a stock I put all my money in one penny stock I'm like no like that, isn't, that goes against everything that I've known and I've yeah. learned over the years it's like you have to diversify your risk and I'm like I, I can't just devote and again there's like the argument against that is okay, okay well if it doesn't work you can shut it down but to really give an idea a real shot you have to try it for a minimum two years you have to learn about that you have to tweak it Keep on mm-hmm. going, right? And I'm like, I, I, I can't, you know, um, I can't, I can't devote myself to something that that's that high risk for, um, for this stage of my life. Like I've already devoted three years to finance; it was a failed experiment. I can't. I need to be more risk averse. I need to spread it out. So I was like, okay, cool. Well, how can I increase the probability of success? Um, and and so I started asking myself that question and there were a couple things that came to mind. One is, what if an idea has already proven successful in one market and I just build it in another market? Which since now has been popularized by the Samway brothers. I I don't know if you guys know the Samway brothers, but um, back then again, they weren't that popular. Um, It didn't really exist. Uh, Now that model is extremely popular and people have like again, with a lot of backing behind them, attacked it, whereas kind of I, it, yeah. I bootstrapped everything. So it's like, oh, like, I'll get to that eventually. But that's still a fundamental part of the equation of Fueled. Um, and, and the second thing is, is how can I get myself into a position where I'm testing out multiple ideas uh, a year instead of one, right? Instead of a two-year one one thing, how can I do multiple? Now, as an individual... My, I set my goal at, at 10 you know just like I picked an arbitrary number that I thought would be statistically relevant um, like 10 per year and so in a two year period that'd be 20 I'm like that's a lot better odds if I can test 20 ideas mm-hmm. uh, and I'm like what but like how can I possibly give an, an idea enough of a shot if I'm doing 10 ideas a year right it, it won't work I, I mean, you definitely can't do that alone so right. question is okay well what would I need as far as a team goes in order to give 10 ideas a year um, all the attention that it could possibly need and I was like okay well I would need one person on each of those projects full time committed so that's theoretically 10 people yep. and then those people would need resources to build it out so probably another 20 people of like hey developers and designers and stuff like that so like I basically need 30 people so in my head I, was like, I need 30 people now, I don't have money to hire 30 people, so like, how, am I gonna, how am I gonna get 30 people, just them building out ideas and us owning those ideas? Which is kind of similar to like, you know, a Betaworks model mm-hmm. now, which again, Betaworks didn't exist then. I was kind of thinking of along those lines.
1: Yeah, and that's proven to be great success.
2: Yeah, well, it's, it's interesting because they have LPs, uh, and they have mu- people that gave them money. And I was like, okay, cool, like, you know, I'm, I'm kind of a nobody, uh, no one's going to give me like tens of millions of dollars to set up, you know what, what is now considered like you know a beta works model. They'll just look at me like I'm crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like how how can I get thirty people? And, and the, the idea back then was I need ninety people running a service based business in order to afford thirty people that I can pay um, that are are going to be building products that we own. Right? And that's how I can diversify my risk. That was the initial model. Since then, it's changed in one way. Back then, I envisioned 30 people separate, working on labs, and like a labs component, like field labs, where we owned all the equity, and doing 10 a year, approximately, right? that, that type of number, and then 90 people on the consulting side. Then I realized there were some people on the consulting side that could definitely add value here, and some people that were in labs that could add value to the consulting side. And so now, I just say, okay, cool, 25% of our time across the board should be devoted to equity projects, right? And then 75% of our time across the board, um, but not with any one individual, like someone can jump between projects, yeah. Um, But as long as we maintain that ratio, then I can, in essence, um, build out these quote-unquote 10 companies. And then instead of 10, I was like, well, why don't I diversify it a little bit more, why don't I just take a piece of the people from the consulting side? Because someone has to run with the product post it's being built. And it's one of the problems that Betaworks has. It's like carving out entire sections of Betaworks employees to continue on with a company that like kills like Betaworks core. But what if I could have this engine running, and the client we can help the client staff up, but then we own a portion of that company. So all of the clients that we... Work with we own a small portion of each one of them, so it's higher number, lower percentage. So instead of owning hundred percent of ten companies, it's you know it's ten percent of you know thirty forty companies owning ten percent of them. Yeah.
0: that makes a lot of sense.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, so we're coming Botfall. down to the end. We have two questions. One's a secret fun time, and the other one is our sort of giving back to the reader, reader, the listener. They've already heard everything, and they've probably learned a lot. But if you had to give Newcomers to technology, to finance, to just anything, a piece of advice, what would you give them?
2: Um, I would tell them if they have an idea um, and if they really want to pursue the idea, if one month from when they had the idea and they knew they wanted to pursue it, if they haven't already built and launched something, they're already failing.
0: It's pretty powerful stuff. That's, no, that's a, that's
2: a good way. It goes in line. We
0: met with Drew Wilson, and Drew Wilson is very much uh, – he's self-employed. He builds all of his own products, and it's very – he's got a similar mindset. Like if he can't do it, he can't make money off of it. Or if he doesn't get the gumption to build it, it's – he's. he doesn't think of it as a failure. He's just like, I'm not doing it. It's done. It's not worth right. my time.
2: Um, well no I'm not, I'm not saying it's a failure. I'm like they're already failing at that idea. Ah, uh, gotcha. If they're not progressing. Yeah. That or makes one sense. month after they haven't they haven't they haven't got somewhere in a month where where something's out, or instead they just sat in their room and wrote a business plan, like they're already failing.
0: Yeah. That makes sense. No, it makes a lot of sense. Um, the last one is a secret fun time question. You don't know this ahead of time. This is usually fun, it gets your brain thinking a little bit. Do you I, I have one. Uh, we used it before, but I think it's it's perfect for this scenario. Nick, if you have one, if we uh, right.
1: if it's perfect, yeah, let's do it.
0: You know, you mentioned before that if you were in a position of power at a finance at a company within the finance mm. industry, you think you could do great things. And then you also mentioned that you know you had some ideas that because you don't have the same clout as the people running BetaWorks or any of these other incubators, um, you'd be able to do other great ideas. If, and we, we used this before with John Gold, but I think this is perfect. If Jeff Bezos or any owner of any huge entity that we all know of gave you a million dollars and said, just go. There's no repercussions. Do whatever you do. Fail. Succeed. Whatever. What would you do?
2: Yeah. Um, so a million wouldn't be enough.
0: Oh, well, arbitrary amount. Yeah. They gave you enough to... Su- to- <laughs> Sorry. They, enough to mathematically succeed. I, 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 it's yeah. The only reason I say that is just because. Um, it Sounds
2: like you've thought about
1: this. Well, it's funny. It's like it's like what would you do? A, I would ask for more right off the bat. Yeah, yeah that's what I would do.
2: Um, yeah, no, I, I would, I would definitely ask for more because, um, so I, I, well, right now I wouldn't take it because I think the opportunities in front of me with fueled, um, are are great um, to the point where I could, I could give that. To someone else on my team, like, hey, hey, here's a million, go build something. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, but I, th- I think really what what you're asking is, hey, if you could do something else that's outside of fueled, yeah, basically, and, and you had the funding to do that, um, what would you do? Um, <laughs> it's so funny because everything that I've built so far to date, it has basically been. Um, I don't know what would succeed in terms of a single idea. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to hedge my bets uh, and I'm going to test out a bunch of different ideas in order to make sure I hit one on the nose. So that question kind of goes against everything that I've been doing Mm -hmm. in the sense that I will not commit myself to one singular idea just because it's too risky. Sure. Um, So it kind of goes back um, to... uh, to what I was saying before in terms of, like, I didn't want to just build one product because I was just too scared. So I don't know if you want to ask a different question because you might not have got the answer that you wanted. Uh,
1: no. I, th- I was going to ask, do you believe in UFOs? Uh,
2: I <laughs> well, That's one too. Yeah, I, I, I do believe that there is life on other planets. Um, have they been to our planet? Um, I think is I, I think it's unlikely. Um, but I do believe that there is definitely another species out there just because um, odds say that there are, given the number of um, solar systems out there. Uh, yeah.
0: That makes on. sense. Um,
2: that, about, that wraps it up. Ramit, where can
0: people talk to you online? Uh, where can people see you if you're doing any talks at any conferences or any panels in the future? Yeah. This is your moment to plug whatever you want to plug.
2: Cool. Um, my next speaking engagement is at the Northside um, Conference, um, speaking on failure. Um, so you can check that out. And then, um, best way to kind of follow me personally is um, like not like outside of work is uh, is Instagram. Uh, professionally, I'm going to be publishing um, on two platforms, uh, Medium and Forbes. Nice. Um, so that'll be. All, all my content are, um, all things I, I truly believe in. You know, I've observed in, in the industry awesome cool yeah. well thanks for Great. me of course pleasure